What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Berta here with another episode. In this episode, we are going to talk about a song, Rachel's song, which our guest wrote many years ago, but it's not your typical music story where you hear about the teen pop star who really hits their mark at a very young age. We're talking about a songwriter, a singer, who wrote this song in his 30s about just, it was a culmination of some of the trauma that happened. And we're going to talk about how you can go out and achieve your dreams, even if you feel like it's one of those dreams that younger people typically end up doing. So a little more about our guest who joins us today. He's a songwriter and photographer with four decades of experience writing over 120 songs and creating 14 albums of soothing, relaxing, instrumental piano music. His songwriting began with the now popular standard Rachel's Song, which we will be going into in this episode. And his music has been played millions of times worldwide on radio, satellite, and internet streaming media. So our guest who joins us in this episode is none other than Dave Combs. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. I'm happy to be here. Dave, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success, and I really love hearing stories about people who they go for their dreams regardless of age, whether people think you're too young to do it, or maybe people think that, oh, that's something you're supposed to have done when you're younger or else you miss your marks. So I really love the fact that you come out with the song, Rachel's song, in your 30s, and I'm wondering if you could talk about some of the um, mindset of where you were with that song. I mean, I feel like there's this preconception that you, you have to be start like singing at five to really set a mark for yourself. Well, that, I, I probably would have thought that too. In fact, uh, you know, it's kind of strange even to me that I was 34 years old before I wrote my first song. And uh, the writing of the song really came about from my background of playing music all my life. I play the piano and been active in music and church music, all that kind of thing, all my life. And so music has been an integral part of me. When I would need to relax, I would sit down at the piano and just play something. You know, people have different ways of relaxing and expressing their uh, need to just get rid of some stress. Well, playing the piano was mine. And so in January of 1981, I was sitting on at my front of my piano in my basement. I had just freshly tuned it. I had an old hundred year old piano. It wouldn't even hold its tune. So I'd t- touch it up and tune it up. And when it sounded really good in tune, I loved to sit down and play something. Well, this particular day I sat down after it was tuned and I'll, I just played this song, this song I started in the key of C and, and started playing and I played this whole song and I didn't really consider it writing a song, I just played it. And I really think, and I believe that that song was a gift to me. And so I I played it. And then my wife came home from work one day and she says, what's this song I've been humming in my head all day? You know how you get a song stuck in your head. And so she hummed a little bit of it. And I said, well, it doesn't have a name. And she said, well, you play it all the time. I said, well, it's just something I made up. And she got all excited. She said, wow, you made that up? I said, yeah. So uh, she said, well, you better write that down because truck, you might get run over by a truck and we'd lose that song. So we, I wrote it down, put it in the piano bench. 
And looking back about the origins of, of that song, if you listen, when you listen to it, and I encourage everybody to go to my website and, and listen, at least, at least listen to a sample of it, and you'll feel the emotions that runs through that song. You maybe hear some happy parts, you maybe hear some sad parts and some highs and lows. Well, that's kind of the story of my emotional roller coaster I was going through. I had just lost my father only a month before, and right, three days before Christmas, killed in a tragic car wreck. So I was going through all those emotions, and I think that that uh, panorama of emotions just poured out into that song. And so that's how it got written in January of 1981. And it's really interesting how you were just experimenting, not really intending for the song to have the impact that it did. I know so many people have reached out to you ever since you first came out with that song, and I know you get some fanfare for it to this day. How did it become the sensation that it became? Like, how did we go from just playing around something that you thought sounded nice versus getting all these letters from incoming fans? Well, to tie into the name of your podcast, Breakthrough Success, my, this song did have a breakthrough. It certainly had a breakthrough in my life. But the song, once I, it got its name, and it was named there at the christening of our goddaughter, named after Ra our godchild, Rachel. And then three years later, I got it recorded in Nashville, Tennessee, just as a demo, something to have to enjoy. And uh, so, but I took that demo recording and gave it to a friend of mine who just happened to have a radio show on Saturday mornings where he played big band jazz and all kinds of music. Well, he just was blown away by this song. And so he said, hey, I got to play this song on my radio program. I said, okay. So I loaned him my master tape. He made, went to the station and made a recording of it so they could play it. And that Saturday morning, it got played on an FM radio station. Well, next thing I know, I get a phone call from the station manager saying, Dave, you're not going to believe this. I've never seen this happen in my entire career in radio. And I've been in a long time. He said, when your song played, our phone bank at the radio station locked up. I mean, people were calling, the lights were blinking everywhere. People, what's the name of that song? Play, can you play that again? Well, that really kind of just jarred me into realizing that this song that we loved really was perhaps had a bigger future than, I, than we thought. And so I began to explore, and every time it got played on the radio or anywhere, same result. People just were drawn to it and just mesmerized. They stopped in their tracks. And so it kind of took on a life of its own. And I think the breakthrough was the song itself being able to get out and be heard by the, uh, the public, like any product, anybody in a business that wants to succeed, you can't succeed by keeping your product, you know, in your basement or in your house or in your store locked up. People got to see it, whether it's on the, these days on the internet or whatever, but they need to see it or hear it or feel it or touch it. And so that was the case with Rachel's song. It got played on the radio. It got heard by people and radio stations all over the country played it. And it even became the number one requested song in Australia for over two years. So that was kind of the, the breakthrough that the song, it broke through the, the, the sound barrier for me into, uh, uh, made me realize that this was much bigger than just a little demo song that I had written and recorded. And when it comes to prepping a song, I mean, there are a lot of different moving parts, especially if you're incorporating multiple instruments. I know you're more piano focused, but 
I'm wondering what goes into the planning process. I know for Rachel's song, it was just you're playing a tune, you like the way it sounds, but now that you've come out with a bunch of albums, I'm sure there is a lot more planning that goes into note selection, things like that. So what does the planning look like for coming out with the song? Well, the first thing I had to do and, and anybody needs to do is to partner up with experts and people who really know what they're doing in the field. And so I partnered up with Gary Prim. He is the studio musician in Nashville, Tennessee, who first recorded Rachel's song. And so every song that I wrote after that, I contacted Gary and we would go get our recording engineer, you know, uh, book some time in the recording studio. And the, my process was I would write the song, the melody and the chords, and I would play it on my piano, something simply, and I'd just send Gary a recording of me playing. So he would know kind of the feel of the song, you know, whether it's fast or slow or loud or soft, that kind of thing. And so I would write these songs send them to Gary in the very simple form. And then Gary being a creative person himself as a studio musician uh, would prepare the arrangements that he heard in his head that, of the songs. And so when we met in the studio, the arrangements of the adding of other instruments, whether it's strings or horns or an oboe or some other part that, that basically complemented the piano, that was, I left that up to Gary's creativity and his expertise. I didn't try to dictate that. And I have learned, this is one lesson that it applies to about anything, that if you're working with a creative person, the less direction in terms of being very prescriptive and putting them in a box you are, the more likely you're going to get a very creative product. So I don't know if you've experienced that before, Mark, or not, but if you're, if you're creating something and you're working with a creative person, turn them loose. Let, them, let their creative juices flow. And the two of you together then, or however many you are, will have a much better product. And that's what happened with my music, was that if I didn't pre-plan all these instruments and everything down to the note and down to the measure. I left that up to the, the creativity of Gary and his wonderful skill in the studio. And I really love that insight because there's just so many different ways to create. And I feel like for me as well, if you take away the boundaries, you're able to hit new strides and really explore things that no one else would have thought of just because you're not confined in a sandbox. You're able to go that deeper level. So I really like that approach for not just coming up with great songs but any creative pursuits just to take off those boundaries and really be able to set forward now i feel like there has to be some type of guidance though like you don't want to like no boundaries and just go off um like is there like what would you say is the proper mix of that like some sense of direction that's borderless or like i'm wondering what your take is on that well, I've been, at least I'm going to talk about it in terms of my music. <clears throat> For example, the, if you, when you listen to Rachel's song and any of my other songs, you will notice that there's a common kind of feel to the music. It has a very uh, easy tempo. It's, it's not, it doesn't have percussion. It's just uh, the, in, the stringed instruments or the uh, uh, just instrumentation, no, no drums or anything. And the, the tempo, the feel... In fact, I've written, uh, I wrote a couple of songs that when I took them to the studio and we recorded them and, and they were just, they were great songs, but they were 
they were, if this makes sense, they were too upbeat for my for my music. You know, they were just they they needed to be on a, a separate genre of their own. But you need to at least at least set a boundary of the overall feel. And and once you and your creative person kind of agree on this umbrella of the approach that you're trying to create, that's the only kind of soft, I call it a soft boundary that you're, you're putting around your project. Something that you can basically still have the, the license to create, but within these kind of, you know, you don't get too loud, you don't get too soft, you don't get too fast, you don't get too slow, but it's within the, the right mix and the right feel. And I think that probably applies to about anything. And I feel like the whole uh, approach here is to just figure out what that theme is for you. Like, you know, some songwriters, you know, some singers, like, you know what to expect from them. You, like Apple, you know what to expect from that brand. You expect luxury goods that are very efficient. You're able to boost your productivity with them. There are other brands where, like a Walmart, you know them for low prices. So it's figuring out what themes they have. Like Walmart's not going to do like a Ferrari showcase in their <laughs> stores because that does not fit who they are. Similarly to with Dave, uh, like he doesn't want to have something that is too upbeat. He doesn't want to have something that's too on the low end. Like he wants to have something that fits his theme, fits his niche. and I mean, you have some parameters in place like that, but then the rest of it, it really just seems like freestyle. Exactly. You've got it. That's exactly right, Mark. Now, Dave, I know that not only do you produce songs, which are on your website and Breakthrough Success listeners, you should definitely check those out. But I know, Dave, you have a book as well. So I'm wondering if you could share with us a little info on that book and where we could go to learn more about it. Well, it can certainly go, you'll find it right on the front page of my website at combsmusic.com. But let me tell you about how this came about. Uh, you know, over these 40 years since the writing of Rachel's song, as you can imagine, I've gotten fan mail from actually over 50,000 people over the years. And many of those were full of stories, very touching stories about how the music touched their lives and that kind of thing. And of course, I have stories of my own about, you know, how I how I found all these uh, resort towns across the United States uh, that I knew would be the prime places to sell my music. I, I, de I developed my own uh, data analytics to, to locate these tourist towns. So all these stories were rolling around in my head and I would tell them, you know, at, at various occasions and people kept saying, well, you know, you need to write a book about all of these stories. And so, <laughs> I finally last year sat down and, and decided, okay, with the encouragement of my wife to write down these stories. And so there were, I just kept writing and writing. And next thing I know, I've got 21 chapters worth of stories to, that have written and so forth. So I have a, a book that's uh, called Touched by the Music. And the subtitle is How the Story and Music of Rachel's Song Can Change Your Life. And because it certainly changed mine. And from all these letters that I notes that I got from people, it changed their lives as well. So this book is, it's part, it's about the song. It's about me, the guy that when it wrote it, it's about the, the music business and how I created it. And it's about the fans and how it touched them. So it's, it's kind of a, almost an, a, a memoir of a song or a biography of a song, if you want to think of it that way. But it's, it has a lot of that, a little bit about, 
me and a lot about the music and the writing and the building of the business. And in the back of the book, you'll find page after page of these little notes and stories from my fans who have written to me over the years. So I'm really excited about the book and I hope that it will lead to a lot more people being touched by the music. Touched by the music. Make sure Breakthrough Success listeners, you grab your copy We will be uh, of your, the book. We will be throwing that in the show notes along with Dave's website. Uh, definitely, if you are looking for some really nice piano music, check out Dave and his work. Thank you, Dave, so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was such a pleasure to have you here today. Well, the pleasure was mine, and I hope that uh, your listeners will enjoy and get something really good out of it.